Let's go to the book of John this morning. John chapter 11. John chapter 11, verse 21. This message might be a little out of the ordinary for an Easter message. Uh, of course, you're used to hearing the story of the resurrection and hearing about all about that. We're definitely going to be referring to that and talking about that a little bit. But um, today, I really I just want to talk to you, I guess you could say, about some things in the Scriptures. And really, um, this is a message that I'm preaching to myself as much as I am to anybody else here. This is something that I need, and sometimes I just assume, well, maybe if I need this, other people need it too. And Because we usually find out our problems, why we think we're the only ones in the world that are struggling with certain things and the only one in the world that have these problems. Usually you find out there's other folks going through the same things too. And so, uh, just as I prepared for this and studied for this, it helped me, and I hope it will help you this morning too. But I want to read this passage to you in John chapter 11, verse 21. It says, Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. In reference to the story, Lazarus has just died. Lazarus was a good friend of Jesus. Him and Mary and Martha were very close to Christ, and Lazarus died. He was dead. I mean, he was good and dead. It had been four days that he'd been dead. And Martha, uh, she's got a lot of faith. She said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. That sounds pretty spiritual there. She had a lot of confidence that if Jesus would have been there, Jesus would have had the power to heal whatever that sickness was. And then in verse 22, she shows she has even more faith here. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. And Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. And then verse 24, Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. You know, sometimes as Christians, we really are good at using all the right terminology and saying all the things. We know all the answers to the questions. But when it comes to actually believing it, sometimes that's a little different. Sometimes we kind of take a little different uh, attitude and approach. And so she's here and Jesus is here. And like, Lord, I know You can do anything that You want to do. We all believe that, don't we? I mean, we all believe that Jesus Christ can do anything. And she said, Lord, even if right now I know if you anything You ask of God, He's going to give it to you. And then Jesus says to her, your brother's going to rise again. But she gets spiritual again. Well, I know He's going to rise in the resurrection at the last day. And then verse 25, Jesus saith unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in Me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in Me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord, I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. Notice that sounds really spiritual right there, but that really wasn't an answer to the question that Jesus just asked. He said, hey, do you believe in what I've just told you? I, oh, I believe. You know, you can ask, you can ask people all kinds of questions about the Bible. It's like, do you believe the Bible? Oh, yes, I believe the Bible. Well, then if you get, but if you get specific a lot of times and say, well, what about this verse right here? Oh, well, I believe, and then they'll say, you know, I, you know, nobody's going to say I don't believe when it comes to the Bible or when it comes to something that God specifically says. But they'll go and they'll kind of try to dance around it, and that's what Martha's doing right here. And then verse. Uh, 28. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master is come and calls for thee. And as soon as she heard that, he, uh, that she arose quickly and came unto him, 
Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the the Jews then, which were with her in the house, had comforted her. When they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was, saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. She had a lot of faith too. And when verse thirty three, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping, and the Jews also weeping which came with her, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled, and said, Where have ye laid him? And they said unto him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. Then said to the Jews, Behold how he loved him, and some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? So these guys they kind of have some faith too. They believe Jesus could have healed him. Verse thirty eight, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. Martha, the one who believed that whatever Jesus asked, He could do. The one who believed that he was, her brother was going to rise in the resurrection on the last day. The one who has all this faith. She said, uh, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Jesus said unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldst see the glory of God. And you know the story. They took away that stone and Jesus cried out, Lazarus, come forth. And sure enough, Lazarus came back from the dead. And this morning, I want to talk to you about believing that God can do the little things. Believing that God can do the little things. Because the truth is, we all are usually pretty good about believing that God can do the big things. For example, we don't seem to have a whole lot of trouble about the fact that God took nothing and created the universe. Now, I mean, if I said, you know, let's let's have a show of hands, who all believes Genesis chapter one? Oh, well, we all believe Genesis one. In the beginning, God created the earth, the heavens and the earth, and then it goes on and it just talks about how God spoke them into existence. He literally took nothing and He made this entire universe, and we're all okay with believing that. But then sometimes, though, when it comes to the little things. That's what we struggle with. Most of us, we don't have a whole lot of trouble believing about Genesis 2-7 where it says, "...and the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul." Our God, He took dust and He formed man. And in that man, He gave him life and the ability to reproduce. And all of us are here today as a result of something that God took and made from dust. The billions of people that are on this planet today are all a result of that right there. And we all, oh, I believe that God created man. I believe that verse that says that Lord took, you know, God formed man from the dust of the ground. I believe that. I believe that verse. We believe Romans chapter 20, verse 1 through 11, where the Israelites are out in the wilderness and they're in a dry area where there's no water. And Moses went and he took, he took his staff and said, hey, shall I fetch water from this rock? And he smites that dry rock. You don't find water inside rocks. But Moses did because God did it. And water came out enough to feed the thousands and thousands of people or the uh, thousands and thousands of people there and even the animals. Water came from a rock. We believe that story. You've been hearing that one since you were a little kid in Sunday school. We believe those things. We believe that God provided for the Israelites in the wilderness. For 40 years, they wandered in that wilderness. Just wandered in the wilderness. Their clothes, they never wore out. Their shoes, they stayed good the whole time. 
They always had enough to eat. Go to Psalms chapter 78. Psalms chapter 78. Because when it comes to not believing God, it's not something that God really appreciates. You know, we have this attitude today that, hey, you know, it's up to you whether you want to believe or not. Okay, and or not believe. It's it's totally up to you. But you know, God doesn't it's kind of insulting to God when we don't believe him with all the evidence he's given us, with all the proof. But Psalm seventy eight verse eighteen says, And they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. Yea, they spake against God. They said, Could God furnish a table in the wilderness? You know, we look at that verse, can God furnish a tables can God furnish a table in the wilderness? And I was asked you that question. Can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Well, of course He can. But you know what? When you're the one in the wilderness, when you're the one looking for that table, something to eat, sometimes it's a little difficult. And the Israelites, they struggled with it. And they asked that question. They asked it, tempting God. And then verse 20, Behold, He smote the rock, that the waters gushed out, and the streams overflowed. Can He give bread also? Can He provide flesh for His people? And of course, uh, the Lord did. They got tired of eating the manna. It says here in Psalms that they ate angels' food every day, six days a week. That manna would fall from heaven. It would just come and be out there on the ground every morning. On Friday, there would be twice as much. They would gather up twice as much because on Saturday, on the Sabbath, the manna wouldn't fall. But the manna would only stay good for one day except for on the Sabbath. It would stay good for two days because they needed it too. That's that's what God did. You know, we read all these stories and we're and we don't seem to have any problems believing them. We don't have nobody wants to seems to want to debate these things. We all accept them and we're okay with them. We believe them. We believe the story of God raising people from the dead. We just read the story about Lazarus. We believe the story about God raising a man from the dead by using the bones. Of another dead man. In 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 20, Elisha, a great man of God, a prophet of God, he had died and he was buried. And they had, uh, there was a man that had died in this battle. And they threw his body down in that same hole where they had put Elisha. And when that man's dead body touched the bones of Elisha, he came back to life. That's the kind of power of God that Elisha had on his life, even when he was dead. He raised somebody from the dead. And we believe these stories and we love these stories and we enjoy them. We believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. You know, it's one thing, Jesus Christ, Him going and through His power raising somebody else from the dead. Okay, we can kind of get that, okay? You know, he, you know Jesus, of course, He was God. He was able to take something that was dead and bring Him back to life. That's... That's not too big of a stretch, but raising himself from the dead, conquering death on his own, because Jesus Christ, he was a physical man. He was born just like you and I, but he was born of a virgin, we know. He lived a normal life. He had to eat. He suffered pain. He suffered horribly on that cross. They tore his body to pieces when they crucified him. And then for three days, he laid in that tomb. And you know what I've noticed is when somebody dies, as time goes on, they don't get more they don't get less dead, do they? In fact, they usually get more dead. Like Lazarus, after four days, they start to stink. I mean, really the longer you wait, the worse it is. And it's been three days, but yet in Matthew twenty eight, verse five, and the angel answered and said unto the woman, Fear not, 
ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay. And go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. I mean, not only is he alive, he's not like when when somebody dies here on this earth uh, that's a, a believer, we know that they go on to be with Christ in heaven. We know that that body laying there, that's just their body, that they're still they're okay. They're better off than they were before. They're in heaven now with Christ. And what a wonderful thing that is. And it's that's pretty easy to believe because well heaven it's out there. We can't see it, but we we believe it. But here with Jesus, he wasn't just alive and in heaven now where they couldn't see him. He was walking around again on that earth. Hey, he's there in Galilee. Hey, you're gonna see him. And Jesus hung around for the next forty days before he ascended into heaven. I mean, we and we read these stories and we we love them. They're encouraging to us. And I imagine uh, most of you in here, I think you believe these stories and you don't have trouble believing these stories because they're not just stories, they're truth. They're the Scripture. They're the Word of God. But I want to talk right now though about some things that we seem to have trouble believing about God because the truth is when you really think about it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for us to not believe these things when we do believe the other things. It would be like if I told you all that, hey, you know, do you believe that I can dunk a basketball on a 10-foot rim? Well, first of all, if you believed me, you would be wrong. I can't do that. But let's just say I had you convinced that I could. and you, you, Hey, I believe that you can dunk a basketball on a 10-foot rim. But you didn't believe I could dunk a basketball on an 8-foot rim. That doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. I mean, obviously, if I can do the 10-foot, I'm pretty sure I can do the 8-foot too. And many of the things that we seem to have trouble believing about God don't make sense when we say we believe the other things. And one of the, one example of that is God's ability to hear and answer your prayers. If I say, who believes God can answer prayers? Well, amen, I, I, I believe that. But yet, how many times have you been there praying and before God, but you don't really believe it? I mean, you're... How many believe you can go to God for comfort and you know that He can hear your prayers and He can take take those and you just cast your burdens on the Lord? But yet, when you're the one carrying the burden, when you're the one going through those things, you don't always really believe it. If you're just maybe, maybe I'm the only one like this. Maybe I don't have any faith. But Isaiah 59 verse one says, "Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save; neither His ear heavy that it cannot hear." But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you, that He will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood, and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness. The Bible says, listen, God's hand is not shortened. It cannot save. His ear is not heavy. God has the power to answer whatever prayer it is that you have. God can hear it. It doesn't matter how many people are praying. There are people worshiping God all across this country today. There's many people praying. God can hear every one of those prayers. We we believe that, and but many times, it's though as we don't. One of the ways we prove that we don't believe God can answer our prayers is by the fact that we don't do it. Most of y'all, I don't think anybody in here. I'm sure there's probably some people in here that could use a million dollars, but you're not going to come ask me for it. You know why? Because you're probably pretty sure I haven't got it to give to you. And if I did have it, you'd probably think he wouldn't give it to me. 
And the truth is, I mean, how would you how would you feel if you found out he had and was ready to give it away? Why didn't I ask? And that's how God is. He wants to give us the things that we need. He wants to answer our prayers. He's but many times we don't ask because we don't really believe. And the truth is, is so I prayed once before and God didn't answer my prayer. Well, maybe it was because of verse two and three in Isaiah fifty nine. Your iniquities separate you. If God doesn't answer our prayers, it's not because of Him. It's because of us. Many times we don't seem to believe it. But then also, God's ability to provide. Philippians chapter four verse nineteen says, "But my God shall supply all your need." according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now understand the context of this verse. These people that Paul is talking to are people that had been given to God and had been given to help missions. And God said, and Paul said, my God's going to supply your need. In fact, He'll supply all of it. I'm here today to tell you when you're doing the will of God, if you're doing what you're supposed to do, God is going to take care of you. God is going to provide for you. A lot of times, you know, Christian people, they'll get to looking at the world or watching the news and hearing all the reports and things that are going on there, and they start despairing and they start panicking and thinking, you know, what's going to happen? We're all going to die. And my question is, are you in the will of God? Are you doing what God's wanting you to do with your life? Because if you are, do you think that God is not able to provide for your needs? Well, and the truth is, maybe. <laughs> A lot of times it's not our needs we're worried about, it's our wants. It's our, you know, oh, the Lord didn't give me that, you know, Lamborghini I wanted. He didn't give me that new, uh, it's fun to have pity parties sometimes. You know, I've always wanted an iPad. I don't need one, but I haven't got one. And I could sit on man, you know, Lord, I prayed for one of those things and you haven't given it to me. And notice that does not fall in the category of needs. But at the same time, God does, He gives us a lot of our wants. But sometimes we're just so ungrateful. And then sometimes God wants to test our faith. He wants to see just how much we trust Him. And He might make you cut things a little bit close sometimes. But boy, the attitude that we get sometimes just like we don't think God hears our prayers. We don't think that God can answer. We don't think that God can provide. You know, I believe God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. But I don't know if I believe that He's going to feed me breakfast tomorrow. That's how we get. And it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Also, not just that, but God's ability to save and change someone. Acts chapter 9, verse 26. I think this passage is amazing. Saul of Tarsus, an evil man, one who killed Christians, one who on purpose caused problems for God's people. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 26, and when Saul was come to Jerusalem, this is after he got saved, after he met Christ, he is saved to join himself to the disciples. Did you know when you get saved and you become a child of God, you want to be around other children of God? It's just it's pretty normal, and that's exactly what Saul wanted to do. The very people he hated before he got saved, all of a sudden now, hey, I want to join those people. Same family. It made sense. But they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. You kind of understand that. Listen, there's been some folks... Maybe even some of you in here, maybe the first time you showed up at church might have scared people a little bit. Brother Troy, he's told me some stories. I'm going to have him give his testimony one of these days. I, I, I love it. I love it. I'm, and But you know what? A lot of times we don't really believe... I, I, I know we've been praying for... I know we've been praying for Saul. I know we've been praying that God would get him off our backs, but 
Him getting saved, ah, there's no way. There's no way. In verse 27, But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he had seen the Lord in the way. Barnabas was the one that got the disciples to accept Saul. Who got changed his name to Paul? Said, "Hey, this guy, he has seen the Lord. This guy's met Christ. He's one of us. And behold, he's preaching. And boy, and it was, it was exciting. But many times we see people, maybe a neighbor, maybe a family member, a coworker, a friend, and their life is just a wreck. I mean, they're just as wicked as the devil. And we just give up on them. We just give up and say, I, I believe that Jesus saved Saul, but I don't know if he can save my friend." I believe Jesus saved Saul. I don't know if He can save my family member. I don't know if He can do that. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Let me stop and think about it. Paul, he called himself the chief of sinners. The chief. It's like, hey, God came. He said, God came to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul's like, God's not here to call the righteous. Jesus said that. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And we say we believe these stories, but we don't believe that God can save our neighbor. We don't believe that God can save our family members. We also don't believe many times. We believe oh, God, all right, God can save other people. God can change other people's lives. I mean, what, you know, the testimonies that we have even just in this room ought to convince anybody that anybody could get saved. But many times we don't believe that God can change our life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, it says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If any man be in Christ, he's, he's a new creature. Listen, you believe that Jesus Christ created this universe. You believe that God took dust from the ground and made man that has led to all of us. We say we believe those things, but you don't believe that God can change you. This is the same God that turned a stick into a snake. The same God that if He wanted to, could have turned a stone into bread. But didn't because Satan couldn't tempt Him even after 40 days without food. I mean, this God who can, who changed water into wine. I mean, we, believe, we hear all these stories. We believe all these stories. But yet, when it comes to ah, God can't change me, I've talked to many people like that. And there's a sin in their life and and they know that it's not right. They know they need to get rid of it. There's like, there's no, there's no way. I could never give that up. I could never quit doing that. I'm sorry, you're underestimating Christ. I understand if you just look at yourself thinking that, but boy, why don't you take a look at the scriptures and look at this God that we're talking about? He's not just any other everyday God. He is the one true God that created all things, that conquered sin. He conquered death. He did it all. I think it's safe to say He can change your life. And so right now, I want you to try to look past this world and the things of this world in your mind right now and just picture a holy God in a perfect place called heaven. I mean, imagine... And the truth is, none of us, our minds are so sinful we can't even totally comprehend a holy God. This morning in Sunday school, we sang that song, Holy, Holy, Holy. And we believe that God is holy. And you know, when you start thinking about a perfect place, if you're real honest with yourself, you're going to have to come to the conclusion that I don't belong there. I don't belong in a place called heaven. Miss Hazel, she's not here this morning. She's sick this morning. But I love when I was talking to her one time before she had gotten saved and gave her heart to Christ. And 
I kind of asked, like, what's, what's holding you back? And she said, you know, the truth is, I don't really think I deserve to go to heaven. I think I belong in hell. You know what I told her? I said, you're absolutely right. But so do I. Because God is holy. We're sinners. We don't deserve that one bit. And many people, they say they believe these other things about God, but they don't believe that God can save them. But the truth is, we don't, we don't belong there at all. But do you, if I could get you to believe this one part about the Bible that's so important, and that is that one, we're all sinners. Do you believe that? The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Listen, if you're a sinner, if, if the things that you've done, I would not. I, I don't believe in excusing sin for anything. I don't believe in trying to make you feel good about it. I would not do that. Sin is sin. But I want you to understand. I want you to understand though that all have sinned. There's not one person in this church. I hope there's not one person in this church that thinks they're getting to heaven because they're a good person or because they've earned it. Because if if that's their idea, they don't understand just how bad their sin is. They don't get salvation one bit. But do you believe that part where it says that we're all sinners? And also, do you believe that part in the Bible? I know it's easy to believe in creation. It's easy to believe about the miracles. But do you believe that part in Romans 6, verse 23 where it says, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Do you believe that there's a penalty for sin? We have penalties for everything in this country. There's a penalty if you don't pay your bill on time. There's a penalty if you drive too fast. If you break the law, you kill somebody, you steal something, there's penalties for those sins. And there's penalties for our sin. A penalty that we see in the Bible that it's an eternity in hell. Or we can take the gift of God that was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ when He died on that cross. That was Him paying for your sins and my sins. Do you believe in that penalty? Do you believe the part in the Bible about Jesus Christ dying on the cross for your sins? Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Us. I'm included in that. You're included in that. He died for us. Do you believe that, Do you believe that part? That's, well, that's very important. You've got to believe that part. Also, lastly, most importantly, do you believe that if you asked Him, do you believe if you called on His name that He would save you? Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Have you ever heard, maybe been somewhere and a group is named and maybe you're not included in that group. Maybe they've got like this VIP section. You know, hey, if you're one of the VIPs, you know, you get the you know go through line first. So you you get this special treatment. A friend of mine, he went to Six Flags one year and he got one of these VIP passes where they have somebody that takes you around the whole park and you get to cut in front on all the lines. You get to get all the snacks and things that you want. I mean. They treat you like royalty. And he loved it. He said it'd be great. They'd get in those roller coasters and they'd just go walking right up to the front and they'd have to tell the other people they're getting ready to get on to wait while they would get on the roller coaster and they'd just be looking all aggravated. He'd just kind of look at them and 
<laughs> he tried to get me to go with him. I, I couldn't afford it. But after he told me about it, I wished I had. It was. It sounded like so much fun. They got special treatment. VIPs. You know why? Because they paid. They paid the extra money. Stunk for everybody else that didn't have it. That just got in on the regular ticket. But you know what? We don't see different classes of people with Jesus Christ. We don't. There's not a VIP section in heaven. There's really only one category, and that's sinners. And we're all there. And the Bible says, "For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved." Do you believe you're included in that part? I believe I am. I believe I believed I was when I was just a child, and I called on Christ for salvation. And I asked Him, believing that He would save me. Sometimes we show favoritism, or that maybe you ask somebody to do something for you, they'll do it for you and they won't do it for somebody else. Our God is not like that. Jesus Christ is not like that. He died for the sins of the world and He offers salvation to all. And all we have to do is ask for it. And some of these other things, I believe you ought to believe every bit of this book that we have. You ought to believe every bit of it. Some of it's tough. Some of it's stuff that maybe you don't really want to believe. Some of the you know, love thy neighbor sometimes. Oh, you know, should should have put that in the Bible. Why does it say punch your neighbor? But I, I got good neighbors. But do you believe that part? Because that's how you get to heaven. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And if that if you've never done that today, if you've never asked for that gift of salvation through a simple simple prayer, believing in your heart, you can get that. The Bible says. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Just pray and say, Lord, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. Lord, I believe that You died for my sins. And Lord, I'm asking You to forgive me and come into my heart and save me. And if You'll say that, and You mean it from Your heart, it's not magic words, but if You mean that from Your heart, our God, He will save you from your sins and you can know for sure that You're on Your way to heaven. I don't know, that's tough. Listen, you got to believe that part. So we don't seem to have trouble. I believe Jesus did this miracle. I believe God created the world. I don't know if He can save me though. Yeah, He can. If He can do that other stuff, He can handle this no problem whatsoever. Our God can do anything. Question in the Bible, is there anything too hard for God? No. Absolutely not. I hope if you've never been saved, you'll do that today. So let's all stand together this morning.